0: This is WKTV Journal in Focus. I'm Ken Norris. In today's special podcast, we discuss the multifaceted topic of sustainability from reimagining manufacturing. Ken, sorry, can we start that one more time? You bet. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> this is WKTV Journal in Focus. I'm Ken Norris. In today's special podcast, we discuss the multifaceted topic of sustainability from reimagining manufacturing to reducing landfill waste to supporting a vibrant equitable workforce. This is another important topic brought to WKTV by Kentwood City Commissioner and Community Advocate Emily Bridson. With us today are Janae Brower of Public Thread, a local company that not only stresses the reimagining of manufactured textile materials but also the need to sustain healthy businesses through the providing of living wages for employees. Also with us is Carrie Bliss, who works in consumer experience and sustainability for Padness Recycling and Scrap Management, which has the appropriate model of recycling the world over and over. Thank you all for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.
0: Um, so let's let's start, Miss Britson. With um, uh, first, thank you for putting together this uh, very important discussion. Uh, but before we get into a little background on public Thread and PADness, uh, as a commissioner and community advocate, why is this uh, topic important?
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having us on and thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited because we have two of the experts here today to talk to us about what their role is in sustainability in our community, which is amazing. And to me, it's really important because thinking about it from a city perspective, right, um, we can really affect change at a local and community level. And and that's what Padness and also what Janae does at at Public Thread. For me, it's about... um, Legislators really knowing where they can where they can change the rules. Um, for example, like uh, electric vehicles, right? There's not many charging stations that are going in place. So we can either be proactive as a city and actually implement some of that infrastructure or create incentives to do so. Mm-hmm. Those are things we can control locally. Maybe even looking at private partnerships of of how we can get the infrastructure installed so that more and more people will wanna buy electric cars, right? So I think there's all things we can do in our role, whether it's at Public Thread or working at Padness or as a local official, right? It's all about making active choices to change the way that we're viewing and implementing sustainability measures. And so that's why I'm excited to be here today to talk with a little you all a little bit more about what we're doing in our own spheres.
0: Very good. Uh, Ms. Brower and uh, Ms. Bliss, uh, please tell our audience a little bit of uh, your history and your the, the businesses uh, that you you work with, uh, a little of history as far as sustainability and that is concerned. Please.
2: So, my work at Padness started about nine years ago and I started in our plastic side of our business and learned a lot about the chemistry makeup and how to recycle different types of plastics. Mm-hmm. It quickly dovetailed into the sustainability work. So much of trying to recycle some of the plastics that we have or in papers is about the weight. Mm -hmm. And we have to figure out ways to help customers densify their materials or make their materials heavier Mm -hmm. so that they can be transported to a facility to be recycled. Mm -hmm. So when an opportunity came up to both um, work with customer experience and sustainability, they tapped me on the shoulder and that became my full-time
3: gig.
0: Hmm. Okay. Very good.
3: Well, um, so Public Thread, actually, we launched um, in June of 2016, and we started because um, after 13 years of system-level change work that I had done in um, both the public and nonprofit sectors, what I kept seeing was um, a lot of secondary systems that were trying to address issues after issues had occurred versus doing things the right way the first time. And so, I really wanted to be able to integrate my um, my experience and knowledge around creating systems and infrastructure that is done the right way the first time. Um, so <laughs> oddly enough, I decided to start with manufacturing. Um, but it is it, the whole focus that we have is how do we actually support um, not only sustainability around the use of textiles and keeping textiles out of our landfills. But also support creative people to be able to stay in our community, to start and grow their businesses here, doing creative things. Um, And also, from the beginning, pay living wages so that people actually can meet their basic needs, they can take care of themselves and their families, and they can do so in a a respected environment and really um, be able to have and be part of systems that are really human-centered. And so we started out sort of on this journey trying to figure out how... Can we do that? How can we be sustainable in making clothing and accessories and other sewn products um, in a way that is very different from our current industry? Because the apparel and accessory industry globally is the second biggest polluter behind oil and gas, Um, and there are millions and millions of tons that are going into our landfill of of extra clothing that's post-consumer or post-manufacturing waste. Um, and so we're actually really trying to create more of a system response to how do we actually divert those textiles and, again, really support people in the process. Okay.
0: Um, wh- whenever I first, uh, uh, Emily, when you, when you first proposed this, and I did a little bit of research and read some information from you too, I, I came into it thinking sustainability was recycling. But it is so much more than simply recycling. I'd like each of you to, you know, take a a little moment. What what do you, how do you define sustainability?
1: Well, I think for me, um, speaking from a city perspective, right, it starts with the very basics, like a... Uh, I've been advocating to create a sustainability plan for the city of Kentwood. That's one of my big priorities. And there's many examples um, of great cities doing their own work, Mm -hmm. and it's really about taking steps, putting them on paper, and really making actionable items that have timelines and goals associated with them. So it can start as simple as mapping out your city trees, right? Where are they at? How many do we have? Where do we want to expand upon that? Mm Uh, getting our neighbors involved with greening initiatives. Uh, Mayor Bliss in Grand Rapids does a phenomenal job with getting others involved and targeting neighborhoods and giving away trees, right? It's something very simple like that. Uh, We do some of those items at Kentwood um, in terms of trying to put in more energy-efficient ways of using electricity, But it's really having a plan. Like, Where do you want to be in 10 years or 20 years and what are your goals? Uh, The city of Lansing just announced yesterday that the mayor wants to use wind and solar power to power all the city buildings. It's kind of like, to me, it is awesome. (laughs) It's, It's kind of like planning your stake in the ground for why it's important and why it's meaningful. And if we're really protecting our neighbors and our planet and our waterways, it's showing your commitment to that, regardless if it's through um, keeping textiles out of uh, the landfill or at Padness recycling and and trying to repurpose and and move things out to to, to utilize them in another way. It's all different ways, I feel like, to look at the same work. I don't don't know what what you guys think, but to me, the cities really can have a local effect on our communities and neighborhoods, just like a business or a small or entrepreneurial shop, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, t- talk about that a little about that, that the, uh, the necessity of public private partnerships. Critically Oh important. my gosh,
3: huge. Yeah.
2: As a matter of fact, we partnered together yeah. on a project um, <laughs> over the holidays. We're very excited. Yes. So, one of the manufacturers that we work with does have an excess of fabric, and Janae was able to take that fabric and turn it into beautiful mm-hmm. totes, which uh, we're all out of, by the way. I need to place another order. Um, it's, they're awesome. They're so popular. I was at a customer just this week, and he said, "Can I get a couple more of those?" Because they're uh, we actually cut seatbelts out of vehicles that were going to be um, uh-huh. shredded. So mm-hmm. the the handles are made out of seatbelts, mm-hmm. and if you can imagine how strong a seatbelt needs to be, mm-hmm. it makes a great handle for a bag. Mm-hmm. So these totes are uh, just beautiful, and the design and the quality of the work that they do is amazing. Awesome. So that's one example. I'm so glad to hear that.
1: Partnership. That's and I awesome. just bought a laptop. Uh, sleeve, which not yes. only doubles as carrying my uh, MacBook, but also as a cat uh, cat lounger, which is a side cat, point. It I keeps tried to get the cat off
0: of your, your computer, hopefully.
1: <laughs> well, she likes to tinkle on the, the, the keyboard, but yep. okay. <laughs> but, but I said, Janae, I sent her the picture. I'm like, well, have you ever thought about it? And she laughed, but I was kind of serious as an animal welfare lover. But um, the quality of the products, and then when you know, like for me, when I really started understanding what Janae was doing, not only that, diverting things from the landfill, which is a huge passion of mine, because I just read another article that said that some of PFAS are are, are getting into the waterways from our landfills. So Mm -hmm. we we actually can't continue with landfills, right? That's just not a reasonable expectation, I think in today's world, at least it's not mine. I'm a huge proponent against that. Um, but when I learned too that you're employing local folks and actually understanding what a living wage is, because mm-hmm. I didn't really know much about that, that's when I became like a super fan of actually having a little understanding of what you do. So I'd, yeah. I'd love for you to explain a little bit more about that, because to me, that's like yeah. that's like icing on top of the cake, mm-hmm. which the cake is already fantastic, right? And I'm an I'm a frosting lover, <laughs> but that to me was like extra A plus amazing. So
3: <laughs> that's awesome. So um, yeah, I think for me, the way that we've looked at sustainability is kind of very similar to nature. So there's no such thing as waste in nature. Um, mm-hmm. So everything is reused. Everything has a, a secondary purpose, you know, when a tree dies, it, it creates then a vibrant soil for the rest of the trees and other things to grow and all of that. So, Um, We've really approached a lot of what we're trying to do from that same vein, and um, really look at, okay, if there are thousands of pounds of textiles that are going into our landfills every week um, in Kent County, not because there aren't really amazing companies that want to divert those things, Mm -hmm. but because their main focus is one thing, and they happen to have some waste that occurs um for a number of different very valid reasons and so we want to be there as a partner and a in in this process much like what we did with PadNus, was really trying to utilize how do we take this material that already exists that doesn't necessarily have a good purpose with that organization but we can actually take that scrap material um both traditional textiles that are used for furniture for apparel for home furnishings for um, automotive, nautical, uh, healthcare, whatever it might be. And we can take that scrap, um, high quality scrap that's from the post uh, manufacturing process. I'm forgetting the term right now offhand. Um, but we can actually take that scrap and then we can use that um, to make new products. Um, and we can then create living wage jobs in the process. And so we can create products for people who are looking to be more more conscious in what they're producing when it comes to conferences and events or they have clients or um, they're selling it to their own consumers or whatever it might be. So we do a lot of private labels things where we're putting tags for other companies on our products. Um, we also put our public thread tag on products as well and we sell retail products so we do more like super small batch when we have a very small limited amount of something Mm -hmm. Um, but then when we have you know thousands of of different yards of different textiles we can do a batch of bags and the really cool thing about what we're doing is that we're actually allowing the diversity of the textiles that exist to be able to shine and so when we're making a batch of two, two or three or 400 or 500 things you're not going to get all the same textile, which to me is really exciting because that's like really showcasing you don't have to have cookie cutter everything. You don't have to have five thousand that are all the exact same. Mm-hmm. You can actually showcase that there there may be very huge variances in in the types of textiles that that we would get in a particular order or bag or whatever. And so for us, um, and you know, and what's really interesting for us is that we've allowed the materials to sort of direct us. So when we started. Um, we were, we were really aiming at being zero waste or like reusing all the scraps that we created. Mm -hmm. Um, but then what happened was one of the local breweries actually came to us and they said, you know, we have these woven bags, these polypropylene bags that we're getting all the materials to make beer in. But we don't have any other secondary purpose for this, and we can't recycle them because there's mm-hmm. stitching in them. Like, and we're gonna if we do a big batch of beer, we might be going through like fifty or a hundred of these things, and we really don't want to throw them out. And so they said, hey, would you be interested in like figuring out how to use these? And so we started to make growler holders and four pack holders and other things related to beer. And then we mm-hmm. started to get other fabrics and found all of these other because of so many different textile companies that are in our community that are working in the furniture industry it became like um pretty overwhelming quickly when we realized that there are thousands of pounds each week that we could take and so it's really been a journey of kind of allowing again allowing the materials to lead us, allowing our staff to lead and say, like, these are the things that we're really good at, let's, let's, let's really do these things and not try to do things that we're not ready or capable of because we don't have scale. Mm-hmm. We have about nine um, staff that are working with us at Public Thread. So we're really trying to um, grow that infrastructure so that we can get really good at securing materials through a huge array of suppliers and then figure out based on, okay, we've got, you know, three. Three hundred pounds of scrap that looks very different. How can we decide what to make out of this, and then do really creative color blocking and and, and try to adapt based on what is currently available for us so we 're kind of going at manufacturing a little backwards, but that 's all right <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, you talked about a, um, a a brewery that you worked with, and when i when I cruised your website, mm-hmm. one of the things that jumped out to me was some of the groups that you work with are as diverse as G- uh, GVSU and the city of Grand Rapids to Harmony Brewing and Sovangarde Restaurant, one of my mm-hmm. favorite restaurants, by the way. Mm-hmm. But th- that idea that whether business is small or large, cities or small or large, they, there can be an incentive for them to to focus on sustainability, to focus on recycling, to focus on these sort of things so it, it, it's really not just oh, yeah. uh, the, the individual homeowner that okay I, I uh, compost you know that's right. that, that's my green thing or whatever it just I'm just saying mm-hmm. so, so it, 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 it is really every size business government they can get involved in this but
2: mm-hmm. everybody can improve. Absolutely, hundred percent.
0: Yeah. So, show me some. Uh, tell me some experience that uh, uh, Padness might might have dealing with um, with businesses, large or small.
2: Uh, yeah. So, um, for for us, we are industrial recyclers, mm-hmm. and it's very important to understand that. Uh, so, we are going to be taking the offfall from that manufacturing process and recycling it. It could be metal, it could be plastic, it could be paper, it could be electronic waste, whatever those waste streams are. We are not a municipal recycler Mm -hmm. or um, a material handling facility, so often called a MRF. It's very important for consumers to understand that difference. So what you do in your own kitchen at home, what you do hopefully curbside, if you have that available in your community, Mm -hmm. is what we call municipal recycling or um, something that would go through a MRF. That's gonna be your butter tub and your yogurt cup and your milk jug and your water bottles and all of those sorts of things. Those, it is very important that you, pla- you recycle all those materials, but they are better handled by a packer truck that does that residential sort of pickup, mm-hmm. route pickup, mm-hmm. because that truck comes and grabs that container, puts it into its truck, and literally packs it in. So all the air, those mm-hmm. products are mostly air, um, get squished out of it, and so now you've got a much heavier load going down the road to pick up those items. For Padnos, we're picking up items in big roll-offs or what we call um, luggers or shop tubs or gaylord boxes that go on a van trailer. So you you have to think about it that it's a much bigger scale than what you do at home. Mm -hmm. It's more like what happened to make the chair you're sitting on Mm -hmm. and the off-all that comes from that manufacturing Mm -hmm. process. So once you look at that, all companies today pretty much have some sort of sustainability goal. I don't I don't think anybody is out there saying we yeah. don't care about the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, they they all care to different varying degrees they care, but they all care. So they want to know, first, is there a value to what I have? Because on the industrial level, often it's the dollars that are driving the process because metals, especially precious metals, are valued sometimes by the pound, right? So it could be $2 a pound for a particular material or even $8 a pound for some of the more specialized metals that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Even with paper, you might think you have a lot of paper. It feels like a lot. It could fill up this whole room that we're sitting in, and it's a lot of paper. But if you were to take a room or um, a 4 by 4 by 4 box, Mm -hmm. for example, it would take 10 of those boxes to make a single 1,000-pound bale. So it's important that we're giving our customers the tools that they need to densify the material so that it can travel. Mm -hmm. Take film, because that's a big one, right? Most municipal recycling facilities don't want your film. They may take grocery bags. Really, they don't even want the grocery bag. It tangles the type of equipment that they use. So grocery bags should really go back to... The grocery store is really maybe a better avenue for that. The films, it would take 20 of those 4 by 4 by 4 boxes to make one 700-pound bale. So what that means, if you filled up a van trailer full of those boxes, is 52 boxes would fit on a van trailer, so big semi-truck driving down the road for people who don't know what that means, and it would only have 1,820 pounds of material on a whole van trailer. Well, van trailers are designed to hold 40,000 pounds of material. So is it better to recycle that film with all that air, assuming that we don't bale it, Mm -hmm. or not? Because the carbon footprint of driving that truck down the road is very significant. Mm -hmm. So I help people see all of these different things and judge based on the volume of material they have. What is the best equipment for them? Is it a baler? Is it a densification machine? Um, There's all sorts of materials out there in the manufacturing world, so we can't cover all of those in the scope of this. Mm -hmm. But essentially, I'm going to look at all of the waste streams that they generate and tell them which ones have value, which ones don't, which ones, if they modified it in some way, form, or another, they could get more value out of it. So it definitely has a financial component. Um, Very rarely do I go to visit somebody and they didn't walk away saving them thousands of dollars. It's pretty cool.
0: And when you're in business, that's uh, that, that's, that, okay. that's the motivation, or, okay. or that can be you know there you well, can have a if you can do the you right have a thing and make mo- more money. That is right. Then yeah.
2: it's a double win, right? Yep. Like mm-hmm. double
0: dip. You you brought that's up, good. and I want to uh, to bring up the topic so everybody can discuss it. This idea of carbon footprint. I mean, it's it's been around. It's but it, it that's sort of almost like sustainability. That you ask different people right, what, right. what is carbon footprint, and and you know it's like. I I don't know. You know, you, different people have different ideas. Mm-hmm. What? How, how does a person's, a business's, a city's carbon footprint? Why Why is that important to reduce that?
2: Yeah. So carbon footprint's a big deal because it has to do with global warming, right? Mm-hmm. And just the general atmosphere that we're around is my very simplistic explanation mm-hmm. for that. Um, And it is very difficult because you could get a room of PhDs from our top colleges and universities sitting at this table and they would not agree on how exactly you should be calculating your carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. I say don't let best get in the way of better. So as long as you come up with a calculation that you're happy with, I recommend using the EPA's calculations because it's the best standard that I've come up with and they have a warm model and you can get right on their website and find um, where you can plug in your own inputs and get the Mm -hmm. outputs and all of that. It's pretty easy to follow. that, to me, is, is probably the best model because it's the most consistent one that's being used. And as long as I it put the inputs in and I'm gauging that I'm improving, then that's a win. Okay? Like, I don't – was this better or that better? I don't know. You know, it's hard. Um, there's a lot of those arguments that go around. Like, is it better to use uh, single-use plastics or papers that are compostable, or is it better to have a dishwasher? Because dishwashers take a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And the answer is, it depends. Mm-hmm. And so those, that confuses people, right? Like, if the dishwasher is totally full and you're using really durable dishes that don't need to be replaced, because manufacturing dishes take energy, too, and it's really full, and you don't turn the heat cycle on your dishwasher, <laughs> then it's probably better to use reusable plates, right? No drying. Depending on which... <laughs> I, I'm the nerd that reads all these research papers. So.
0: <laughs> That's why we
2: have you here. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's complicated, but just don't let best get in the way of better,
1: you know... It's it just keep, just keep getting better. Well, I would agree with that too, from like a city perspective, right? It's like, how do we start, right? And it, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. perfect. Maybe it's a couple easy things, or maybe you're like Grand Rapids and, you know, Lansing that are just going to say, hey, here we are. And here's what we're going to do by 2020, 30, 40, 50, right? Where mm-hmm. it's pretty remarkable. But I think just having a plan and starting to write things down from a city perspective and and putting some goals and timelines associated with that right to your point it's never going to be perfect like for me uh we just approved um all kinds of fertilizer and and things for the lawn and i'm like oh heavens to betsy like that's like Mm -hmm. my you know what i mean because i think of all the animals and then that leaching down into the groundwater to me like it goes back to water and planet i really have a hard time with that and so i said okay can we start looking at so it sounds like this year's done. Okay. I understand that. But what are other cities doing? What, How are they taking care of the properties they have? What are some other options that we can have? And can we start doing the research so next year we have choices, right? We have choices on the table. Because if you think about how much lawn we're probably taking care of in the city, I don't even really know. Uh, I know how big Kentwood is. It's like 22 miles. But... To just to have an impact like that, where we're making a, a different choice of how we're even, the chemicals that we're using, to me, that's significant. And you think about that impact year over year, and that's just one particular thing. And so I think looking at each issue as they come up is one way, or really creating a plan. It doesn't really matter. You're getting to the same place, right? You may be taking different ways, whether mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. small jo- mm-hmm. shop, or if it's Padness, or if it's a city. But if you're making active choices and and really moving the needle, to me, these are all important, Mm -hmm. right? And they all add up. And to me, that's how I kind of look at it. It's, um, It's about when my mom says, hey, well, what should I do and how should I recycle plastic? To me, it's like, you know, you really need to buy less and and not use those things and Mm. make your choices as a, a single consumer because if everybody made those choices day after day after day, that's a huge choice, right? And so... Being purposeful, I think, which goes along with your mm-hmm. philosophy, mm-hmm. is really important, and that's how I look at it. Because there is no right answer, and there's no one's going to agree on everything. But it's like, hey, where are we today, and what are we going to do better tomorrow, right? And in in knowing and doing is is what's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm.
0: That idea of what uh, governments, cities, counties, states can can do the the entire U.S. Um, it, it, it brings up we we had uh, somebody from Kent County on uh, not too long ago talking about the Sustainable Business Park plan, and and it's mm-hmm. it's quite an ambitious plan. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. There's where I mean it, it, um, Obviously, it's a good idea. Um, is it is it good government? Is it good? Um yeah yes. environmental leadership. Talk, talk, uh, so talk a little about what what you think about the plan or what, how how you think the the county is doing it
2: please Yeah, so I happen to be on the Stakeholder Review Committee, so I'm a little bit familiar (laughs) with it. Uh, I'm a big fan, and it's only ambitious because it hasn't ever been done successfully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of the different components, um, they're going about it 100% the right way. They brought in consultants to help them. They're thoroughly evaluating all of the different proposals. They had tons of proposals entered in that were viable. I read through the science myself. Um, The sorts of things that kind of made it to the top of the list that are under further evaluation. Are all viable? I mean these these are things that are um, they're tried and true. They work in other countries as individual components. Nobody's brought them all together in one space before. Uh, it also helps that Kent County is our, our particular uh, system right now is ran by somebody who really gets it. He understands PL responsibility. Um, he's not just going about this kind of off the cuff. He has a very planned approach, a very reasonable approach. He understands the numbers that are behind it. And the volumes are there, our our businesses need it. they need the outlet, um, and I think it's a great plan. I'm excited Good. about it,
3: yeah, and Good. we're filling up our landfills I mean each year, you know, when you go out and visit the landfills and you see these huge mountains, and you know we we recently visited, and I asked you know how long did it take to get this mountain?" they were like, "Oh yeah, this was a year." and so there's only so much land and Mm -hmm. really we can only sustain so much of it that we have to actually start doing something and we have to start doing it now so i'm really i'm really glad that this the work has been done to not only create the plan but try to do it thoughtfully and implement it because from our perspective Um, textiles that are degrading in the landfill actually emit a lot of methane that comes off of them because of different chemicals or Mm -hmm. things that might be on them or whatever in the process of decomposition and so they're really bad for the environment and so we want to make sure they're not in the landfill we want to reuse them as many times and however we can to keep them out of those spaces so we can continue to (laughs) use that land for better purposes. Um, there's just really no reason to continue to fill mountains. Right.
1: Well, it's really funny because I had one of uh, the county commissioners call me the other day about the incinerators, right? Mm. So Which are waste to energy.
2: I, I, it's important because an incinerator is something that's very bad for the environment. Waste uh, to energy is slightly better.
1: Okay, so maybe, <laughs> then you correct me if I'm wrong, so he was saying, uh, can, we, can we support incinerators? Because if not, the alternative is landfills, right? But the, the, the difficulty is though, sometimes for municipalities though is that uh, because landfills, there's more of them that sometimes they can do it a little bit less costly than incinerator. So there's, there's interesting ways of looking at how to deal with it. So I'd be, I'd be curious to hear what your perspective is on that. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Or not. So, <laughs> <laughs> or you gonna you gonna opt out? It's a very, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very political thing. Oh, okay. Type area. okay. no.
2: Um, with that being said, you Mine. know, it is pretty well known that Michigan has some of the lowest landfill rates yeah. of mm. any yeah. state. Okay. So yeah. that's safe that's to say. That's why it's the first choice. Um it so it makes it a very easy choice. We are actually importing garbage into our state. Yeah. Um and that's not ideal. I mean, we get garbage no. from Indiana, we get garbage from Canada. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not a fan of that. I am not either. Um, mm-hmm. With that being said, I think that we need to have a very measured approach to the way that we look at raising our landfill rates. Um, doing something too radical will negatively impact businesses to mm-hmm. such a degree that it will detour business yeah. from thriving in the state. Mm-hmm. So it just has to be done measured. And I'd yeah. rather see... Um, that balance come about from very thoughtful plans. Mm -hmm. So the types of businesses that are the waste energy type components to it that would be going into the Kent County Sustainable Business Park, aren't just burning, right? They're actually sorting and capturing. So mm-hmm. they're diverting. So you're taking the compost mm-hmm. off, you're taking the valuable plastics off, the metals off, the valuable papers off. You're sorting through those that waste, that single stream waste. And at the very end, yes, there's an energy component. And see they're turning it into some sort of building block for fuel or a fuel pellet or sometimes it's turning it back into oil. It depends on the process. Yeah. They're each different. Some are chemical, some are heat driven. They're different processes. So, um,
0: I, be, be, before we start wrapping up this conversation, I wanted to... Wra- wrapping
3: up? Uh, we're wrap, just wrap, getting started. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: we, we,
0: we, have, we have time. We, we, we have time. But I wanted to make sure that, that, that a topic was not bypassed with all of the important information that we're putting out. Something that uh, uh, you talked about uh, with Public Thread, the idea of, um, of that part of sustainability, part of, of uh, getting community and public... Mm-hmm. involvement in this is to have uh, i i am you were talking about living wage mm-hmm. i it it seems to me that the same way that we need to make uh, good environmental decisions a good idea for business that people need uh to be free enough if that's a good word because of their economic situation is that I will make good economic decisions. I will make good recycling and and decisions. And and a, so a big part of that is having a community having a workforce that that has the ability to make mm-hmm. good decisions. It, 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 yeah. Is that sort of where you were where where your group kind of thinks about that, the the living wage situation?
3: Yeah, well, because that's definitely the long game, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because when you try and think of like, how do I save money just today? Because I need to get rid of this thing and I want to find the cheapest way to get rid of it. But by putting it somewhere like a landfill or to not do something sustainable in that process, you are creating impact for everyone because we are all connected. Nothing is disconnected. So our landfills growing impacts all of us, you know, our air quality, water quality, all of it impacts all of us. And same thing for people who are struggling in poverty or they're, they're dealing with other challenges or issues in our community, it really is our responsibility to to care for them and ensure that people have the things that they need to, to care for themselves and their families. So really seeing everything as connected is part of what we are really trying to do. The name Public Thread is really around, I mean the idea of public obviously Mm -hmm. is a component to our public infrastructure, but um, also doing together what you cannot do alone. And the idea that really we need to be together in this. We need to consider how we think through our plans, our businesses, our systems, and really consider what is the after effect from this you know if i create waste now who has to take care of it because when you throw it out and it goes somewhere where's where you know like you have to consider all of those factors and so what we really want to do is is showcase and create a model around how do you care and localize um this type of a supply chain and really based on whatever systems or different um, industries that might be in a particular community how can you look at what, from our perspective, what textiles are being, um, that need to be diverted. But there are so many different industries based on whatever different companies or um, things that are going on in a particular community. So when we talk to places like the city of Grand Rapids or some of our municipal partners, um, different large institutions in our community, our focus is on how do we support living wage jobs in our community, diverting textiles from our community mm-hmm. to be, be able to be reused for high quality products in our community and support creative people to stay in our community. <laughs> so really looking at what is, the, what is the full scope of what we're trying to do. Um, and that does mean it's harder. That does mean it's more complex. That does mean it takes longer to get to some of those outcomes. But by trying to create a system and an infrastructure that actually cares for all of those components, we're really trying to say this is like, I mean, I'm not gonna go so far as to say this is a seven-generation approach, but like this is definitely about a generational approach Mm -hmm. to how am I leaving this planet better for my children and their children, and so you go. So, I mean, that's definitely, for me, a strong component of why the concept of sustainability is so incredibly important for us to address right now. I mean, I care about the clean water in Flint. I care about clean water in our Great Lakes. I care about all of those things. I care about clean water in my own community and in my home, mm-hmm. you know, much the same as I care about it for other people. And so for that reason, it does get more complex and it's harder, but um, it is definitely worth it for us all to be considering what, how are we serving each other in these processes, these things that we're building.
0: Right. So uh one of the things shameless plug here, is, is with 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 my uh with my program one of the things I like to say at the end is uh learn more get involved. We are obviously learning more about the subject and the multiple layers of this subject. But I'd like each of you to uh talk a little bit about uh how the 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 listener the viewer how what can they do? How can they get involved? How can they be part of this of this sustainability revolution, I'll say.
2: Well, it used to be the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. Mm-hmm. Now I think the most important R is the fourth R, refuse. <laughs> there are so many <laughs> options every day that we face yeah. that you can just refuse to get a product. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. McDonald's mm-hmm. doesn't care if you bring your own cup in, they'll use it. Um, you, don't, you don't have to have that to-go container when you go out to eat. You can bring your own container, they'll use it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of opportunities that every single person can access that don't cost them anything. It it saves money, actually, and it helps save the planet. So it's a good way all around. Um, We also do a lot of things at Padness that help our community. So when we get requests um, to sponsor different things, we're very involved. And we also do pay a living wage. And we're hiring. If anybody's looking for a job, yes. contact us tonight. Maybe tomorrow morning. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But we, you know, we allow our team members to be involved in the community, to get involved in things that are important to them, so that that energy spreads. And mm-hmm. um, very fortunate to work for such a caring family. That's part of our local community. I think supporting local businesses is big too. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. care more. The mm-hmm. dollars count more. Mm-hmm.
0: Either either of you want to.
1: Yes, I'll get on my soapbox, absolutely. I think from a city perspective, you know, you really need to look and see what your legislators are up to. You need to just, I just gave a talk the other night and I said, just go to a meeting, right? It doesn't matter if it's a state rep or your your city commissioner or a county commissioner because you'll very quickly understand uh, what their priorities are, what their values are. Are they the same as yours? What When I started going before I ran for office, I was just a regular citizen. And what I found was that a lot of times, the folks that were my elected officials had a 180 approach to the values that I had, and I thought, okay, clearly um, clearly, I need to do something different because I'm either just going to be complaining all the time because it's nothing close to what I would be doing, mm. or I really need to put my money where my mouth is and get out there and try to make a difference by getting in an office where I can actually make active changes. So. What I would say to the average person is you can refuse, just like Carrie said. I think that's very important, right? Every choice counts. And then I think you can get involved, right? You just go and look and see. And I think a lot of times what you'll find is they're very different people than you all all great and well in their own right, but your voice needs to be at the table because it's when it's not at the table, no one's gonna advocate mm-hmm. for what your city's doing or what your county's doing or how they're spending the budget, which is all of our money, right? Mm-hmm. It's all of our money we've paid in taxes. And how do you want that to be allocated and who is that gonna help in your community and who is it gonna hinder in your community? So once you start seeing that, to me, my eyes became very wide open It's not that I wanted to be a city commissioner, although I was an elected official in high school, right, for fun. (laughs) But it was really to try to make that change that I felt was really important that I didn't see happening at a local level. To me, very important, and anybody can do it, right? It's just about showing up, just learning and seeing what's going on so that you can then make your own choices about how you want to participate. Doesn't matter how you participate, but it's in some form you should participate, right that's mm. the big thing
3: mm-hmm. okay. absolutely.
0: you want to add something as far yeah. as involvement? yeah,
3: absolutely. So I definitely fist bump the the refusing for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that is an ideal situation. There are a ton of things around repair. Um, you know, in the clothing or accessory industry, there's a lot of resale options as well, so really look to how do you find things that are already that were already made or that you want to resell instead of just throwing them out. Um, you know, look at donations or other secondary uses for things that's really great. Also shop that way because we need to have companies start to get the message that people aren't interested in buying. Um, things that are throwaway clothing that are good for only one season. Um, And then if you do, as a corporation or a nonprofit or if you're holding events, um, really be thoughtful about that stuff that you're giving away. Because a lot of times, I mean, people are just getting stuff and I got to, you know, it's made cheap overseas. Everyone's like, okay, I have a really small budget. I can't afford it. Totally understandable. Like, These are extra things. So really be thoughtful about what it is that that you're purchasing for that. Ideally, I'd love to see people buying our products that are keeping these textiles out of the landfill. So if you have to buy, really think again about not only what it is and what's the reuse of that, that particular product, but then, you know, hopefully supporting living wage jobs in this community because for us, you know our costs are just slightly higher because we have we're doing a lot of things that other companies aren't when it comes to the type of products that we make. Um, but there's that local impact. so it's having a bigger impact in our community with people that are here. Um, and so I would definitely say look to be really thoughtful about where you put your resources. Um, we can always work with people on different budgets and stuff like that so I think that's really great Um, but ideally in 10 years um, we've worked with enough companies and we've diverted enough textiles and started to look even more upstream to try and help companies figure out how to not even have this waste to begin with because in a lot of ways we're here and we're gonna we're gonna try and capture as much as we can I mean we're looking to maybe divert between 15 and 20 thousand pounds this year of textiles to keep it out of the landfill, but that's not even a drop in the bucket when it comes to the amount that's going in the landfill. So we really want to be looking as we go along with our partners um, to figure out how to go further upstream and look at public policy, look at other ways to incentivize, reuse, diversion, um, trying to design differently so there's less ways to begin with. Um, you know any number of things. So I would say just continue to keep your your eyes open, your ears open, um, and start to ask questions in in boardrooms. Um, you know, with colleagues, with friends, um, and continue to be curious about what are the things that we don't know and what are the things that we could change. And don't just continue to operate and and not ask those questions. Really, really try and figure out where there are opportunities that may not have been addressed before.
0: Very good. This has been a fascinating discussion. Uh, I appreciate all three of you being here. We've we've been uh, talking with uh, Kentwood City Commissioner and Community Advocate Emily Bridson, uh, Janae Brower from Public Thread, and also Carrie Bliss. Uh, from uh, Padness Recycling and Scrap Management. I didn't make a mistake on that all <laughs> interview long.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Uh,
0: you're welcome. Um, th- th- this has been WKTV Journal In Focus. I'm Ken Norris. Thanks to our guests. Uh, thanks to Ms. Britson again for bringing our guests to us. And uh, thanks to our audience for joining us. WKTV Journal is always looking for community members to join our volunteer team on air, behind the camera, and even ideas for future guests to be interviewed. If you were interested, reach out to me at ken at wktv.org. And finally, remember, learn more, get involved.
3: Awesome. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Okay, give me one more quick
0: clap.